Welcome to Pod Be With You for another daily devotional. Today's devotional is adapted from a sermon that was called Thank God. And as inspiration, we have our scripture from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. There's a name for what happened to me this week. The name is the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. It's also known as the frequency illusion or the recency illusion. I'm guessing you know the experience. The Bader-Meinhof phenomenon is the official name for when you notice something and then now that you've noticed it, you see it everywhere. You buy a certain make and model of a car, for example, and all of a sudden those cars are everywhere. You hear a song for the first time and then it's playing everywhere. The phenomenon, of course, is that these things aren't any more common after we notice them than they were before. It's simply that we are attuned to them. Our brains are paying attention in a new way and now it seems like we can't escape it. Which is why Jesus is such a great teacher. He sparked that experience for me this week with this one line, this one moment in that passage, these 11 words that seem like they could have been written for today, for right now, they sound so immediately relevant. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. It's a line so smarmy, so sweetly contemptuous, so transparently judgmental that it just makes you go, ugh. You can picture the look on his face as he scans the people he's glad he's not. Thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then, for me at least, once you hear that, once you picture that, thank God I'm not like them, you see it everywhere. You see it in the smug bemusement of the partisan pundit who offers feigned disbelief over just how clueless those people are. You see it in the disdainful glare someone aims at the parent with misbehaving kids. You hear it in the prayers of religious people who thank God for blessing them with unique enlightenment and praying that the hearts of those people will be turned eventually too. All ways of saying, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. You see it online, everywhere, and not just in the nasty stuff, in the vitriol, the name-calling, but that's what makes it so tricky. You also see it in the people who are posturing and reveling in their superiority, but almost in a nice way. It has this veneer of sincerity to it, like they're really trying to do a good job, but they're awesome, just can't be contained. You can almost hear this Pharisee tweeting it. I really thank God I'm not like other people. Hashtag blessed, hashtag grateful. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. I guess I was just made differently from other people. Hashtag faithful life. By the way, I hate it when people use that obnoxious litany of hashtags. Thank God I'm not like them. So I started to see it everywhere. 
some version of people, in some cases unselfconsciously, being thankful that they were not like other people, scanning the people we're glad we're not, thanking God we are different. Instead of that, Jesus says, you have in contrast the raw honesty of the tax collector's prayer, which was, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all those who humble themselves will be exalted. This man's prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner, was honest. And in a way, he was right. This man was by any measure a sinner. He had that right about himself. But he comes in not to thank God for his own awesome, but to try to get right with God. And that honesty, that humility, Jesus says, puts him right. I want to be careful with that, though, which we have to say because there are plenty of ways to take this point to harmful places. There are swaths of Christianity that take that mentality, we are sinners who need to humble ourselves and ask for God's mercy, which we may well be. They take that mentality and form a whole system that says the worse we feel about ourselves, the more faithful we are. Humble yourself, this way of being says, because the more you realize how bad you are, the more likely you are to be in God's good graces. So if you want to feel good eventually, like go to heaven, you better feel bad now. And if you feel good about who you are, get ready to feel real bad later. But if I'm feeling bad now just so I can be saved, can I, am I really doing it for the right reasons? That's pretty selfish, so I better feel bad. You can see the tangle that makes inside us. This is Martin Luther spending 20 hours a day in confession because as soon as he left, he started feeling good about how well he had done and so needed to go back in to confess the sin of pride. There's variations on this theme, but the general principle seems to be that the more you come to know yourself as an abominable wreck, the more Jesus will love you. And that's not how it works. That's not what Jesus is asking of us. In prayer, in posture to God, to the world, really, Jesus is asking for honesty, for a lack of pretense, a depth of awareness, for a sloughing off of all the fake we wear most of the time. The tax collector was not commended here for living a great life. He was commended for his honest awareness that he was not. And the Pharisee wasn't condemned for living unfaithfully, by all accounts he was, living incredibly faithfully. He was condemned for letting his faithful observance make him start to think he was better than other people. And thinking, and this is the key, and thinking that those other people really are other. And maybe it is that, not his smarminess or his self-righteousness or whatever else we might project onto him. Maybe it's that that gets him. It's an easy trap to fall into, thinking we're different. We can, or we do, we sincerely give thanks that we have been saved from ignorance or bad choices or the you name it of those other people. One way or another, we find lots of ways to say, thank God we're not like them. Thank God we're not like those Republicans or those Democrats or those old people or those millennials or those addicts or those people who, when truly, I believe we are more like them than we could possibly understand. Here's an example, an experience I've shared here before. This past year at Back Bay Mission in Biloxi, I worked for part of the day at one branch of their mission known as the Micah House. The Micah House is a resource center for the homeless and the otherwise vulnerable population 
in that region. It's a place where they can take a shower, do some laundry, have some food, or even just be warm and dry and noticed for a little while, all of which we might expect it to be. But it's also more than I would have known it needed to be. It was a place they could make phone calls. It was an address to which their mail could be sent so they could collect a paycheck or get court notices or receive medical results, which you can't get unless you have an address. It was a place they could access the internet, contact family, make doctor's appointments. And it was a place when they were ready for their next step that they could search employment opportunities, receive counseling, advice about housing, on and on. It was more than I knew it needed to be because they needed more than I had thought to know they needed. And all that's a much longer conversation than here, but the point is this, you don't have to live that long next to people who have next to nothing to realize how much you have. And it doesn't take long to realize that we are not nearly as other, not nearly as separate as we would imagine ourselves to be. I am, and I'm not exaggerating or going for drama here, I am truly only a few factors away from the people we were serving alongside there. The wrong circumstances, the wrong parents, some bad health, luck, a couple bad choices, and I am there. A few threads in the flat fabric of my life break, and I'm on the outside looking in. Most of us are. This place, the Micah House, and the people who move through it are many things, but among them they are a crash course in perspective and awareness and humility and gratitude. Any service has a way of connecting us with the other, and connection means relationship, and relationship means I couldn't look at a single guest at the Micah House and think, I couldn't be there. I couldn't look at a single one of them and think I was made so differently that I could never be them, which meant I could never in good faith say, thank God I'm not like them, because in every way I am. We are. This doesn't mean we can't be different. We are. It doesn't mean there aren't better or worse things we can choose. There are and we can. It doesn't mean we can't be grateful for who we are or what we have been given. We should be. And it doesn't mean we can't think we're right for really good reasons and advocate for what we believe is right. We can and we should. But as soon as we think that all that also means that we're separate and better and other, we've started to get it wrong again. And some people just absolutely refuse to understand this. Thank God I'm not like them. The fact is every one of us is called to honesty and awareness and truth. And if we touch that at all, I believe we'll find that we are more alike than we think and that we've all have some growing to do. And when we find that we all have growing to do, we will realize that we are in this together. The promise is that when we do, we will find God waiting for us, ready to welcome and forgive and love and change us. All of us. Thank God. Amen. Hear this prayer for the day. You may have come to know this prayer as the prayer of St. Francis. And though it was attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, the author of this prayer is actually unknown. It first seemed to arrive around 1912 and was used in World War I. Hear these words today. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, 
Let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. Amen. Thank you for spending this time with us today in what turned out to be something of a longer devotional. We hope you blessed you, it blessed you, and inspired you. We hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.